The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to Inspire 105.1 FM. Today is Wednesday the 24th of July 2019 and you are listening to Community Connect which will be taking you up to 7 o'clock. So today I'm joined with the legendary Akib. Assalamu alaikum Akib. Welcome Salam Abdul. How are you doing? I'm not doing too bad. How are you getting on? Alhamdulillah. How is the heat getting? Uh, I, I despise it. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one that can deal with a lot of heat. So I've had all the fans on. And uh, been get drinking a lot of fluids because I, I just can't handle it really, to be honest. Yeah, same here. Um, the thing is with the heat, I, I just end up sweating all the time, no matter what. Yeah, I'm, see, I'm more of a winter person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I think for me, I'm more of an autumn person, but winter's too cold for me. And for and uh, for those, uh, you probably want the listeners who are listening uh, while this is live, you probably won't realise because we did this in a pre-recorded show. We had a topic dedicated to... Our favorite season, so which is actually coming in for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Don't even in one week we can't put a show. You'll, uh, you'll yeah. hear a discussion about that. Yeah. Okay. So, and I'm also joined here with a new member uh, who's already as good as Akib. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> not not hot. <laughs> <laughs> and that is Jamal. Assalamualaikum, Jamal. Alaikum salam, Abdul. How has your day been today? Alhamdulillah. I'm just really tired because of the storm in the morning. That was insane. How did you find it? Were you awake? Yeah, I was awake. And what about you? I Akif? was so confused. I saw a flash of light. I saw the flash first. I thought someone was taking photos outside. <laughs> the flash on. I was really confused. <laughs> Look at that. I was like, nah, that can't be it. And I saw a couple more later on. I was like, oh, okay, see, it's the storm. If you did geography, you'd understand the science behind that. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have a great show lined up for you with our first topic being about are humans better at creation or destruction? And that'll be led by that'll be led by Abdul Saban, who is me. And we have a second topic, which will be about is war inevitable or avoidable? Meaning, is it bound to happen or not? And that's led by Akib. Uh, so you can text in on or WhatsApp on zero triple seven nine four eight one eight double two. And you can call in on 01582481822. Please be sure to do that because we would like to hear your opinions. And also, we are on Facebook Live, so you can send us a comment on that. Please do because we like reading your comments. And we need it, we need to be at, at uh, likes. Uh, Jamal, set us a new target today for the number of likes on Facebook. 18. 18. We have not even reached... 12 yet, Jamala, and you want 18. <laughs> yeah, you're pushing it a little bit. Let's half it. We'll go for nine likes, inshallah. Uh, so be sure to give us likes because we need them. Um, so repeat of our shows on Saturday at 8 p.m. And now we have our po- Community Connect podcast up and running. So we have the links that get shared around. So if you do want the link to our podcast so you can listen whenever you want, be sure to ask for them. I will just give you the links to our Community Connect podcast because... You, we know you want to listen to our shows, so um, let's jump in with the straight with the hadith of the week. The prophet says, "Truthfulness leads to righteousness, and righteousness leads to paradise." A man and a man keeps on telling the truth until he becomes a truthful person. Falsehood leads to al-fajr, uh, wickedness and evil doing, and al-fajr, wickedness leads to the hellfire. And a man who keeps on telling lies till he is uh, written before Allah, a liar. Right, Jamal, what do you think about this hadith? I think what this is trying to say is that you should always, no matter what, refrain from lies and instead always tell the truth, no matter what, because with lie, lying, there's always severe consequences and in this context, um, it can result to the hellfire. Whereas if you tell the truth, people are more likely more likely to understand and you will not have to continue lying. Agreed. And I, I one thing that's important to note from this, Akeb can, um, he can justify me here. But when you tell one lie, uh, you, what tends to happen is you end up telling another one and another one and another <laughs> one just to keep that lie going, just so the scenario looks more realistic. And I think Akeb can definitely confirm when he tries making up these scenarios, he ends up fibbing and fibbing and fibbing. <laughs> Can you confirm, Akib? Yeah, and it's sort of it's mentioned here in the deep, but it says that each one, each thing leads on to the next, and 
if you start with one sin, it's just going to keep building and building up. So it's just better off to stop it right at the start and be honest. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but with Akiv, usually it's just a joke where he says something like, oh, I have this problem at home with my family. He says it as a joke and usually we can catch him out straight away. So <laughs> it's not much of a big deal. Most kid. of the time I actually believe that. <laughs> like, Did you? <laughs> so, sometimes there were some of the most abnormal things ever, and I would just, just pop into my head, and I would just say it, and I'd be surprised, so surprised when people would believe me. <laughs> <laughs> wow, ah, Jamal, poor Jamal. Um, okay, let's move on to the news of the week, which is something we've already discussed, but there's a new article already released on it. Go on, Jamal. So, as all of you who were awake last night would be aware of the thunderstorm and the lightning, so. Thunderstorms swept across much of the UK on Tuesday night ahead of a possible record-breaking heat this week. Houses in Nuneaton, Warwickshire and Wreckham caught fire after being hit by lightning. BBC Weather said there were about 48,000 lightning strikes overnight and this information is sourced by BBC News. So we've already uh, spoken about this but... How how long were you awake for during the night? Uh, because th- for me, I was knocked out until about 3 o'clock. But then I woke up suddenly and then I couldn't sleep for the next two hours because of how loud it was. And I know my sisters, they were awake before that. So they, I think it started around 2 o'clock or something. And they were awake for the first half hour, first half hour or so. I was awake for the next two hours. And oh, I felt like my window was going to break because of how heavy it was. And you know those in the loft where you have the slanted windows? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have one of those, so it hit it directly on that. And then water started pouring into my room because of how open I left the window. <laughs> and then my phone got wet and I got scared. But alhamdulillah, I was all right. Uh, what about you guys? I was very confused because I was sitting in my room sweating, had the fan on because of the weather, but it was raining outside. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, what's, go- what's going on here? But no, um, I, was, I couldn't go to sleep actually because of how hot it was. Then I could just sort of I started hearing it raining, and yeah, it it was quite quite loud. Yeah. How about you, Jamal? Well, unlike you, Abdul, I had an inclination that there was going to be some sort of rain or thunderstorm, so I kept my windows shut. <laughs> and when the storm actually hit, I all I can remember is seeing all over people's social media videos of the thunderstorm, which was a bit frustrating, but. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think um, I remember seeing it myself. It was weird because coming from everywhere, yeah. all around you, from all corners, you thought it'd come from one place, but it came from all around. It was really big. And uh, the fact that the news article even said that it caused some houses to go on fire, uh, and the fact that there were 48,000 lightning strikes overnight, and that's a big number. I thought it would be like five or something, but it was going on and on. Uh, okay then, we, the time is now 8 past 6 on Wednesday the 24th of July. Uh, we are going to move on to the to- first topic of our show, which is Are Humans Better at Creation or Destruction? So I want to quickly get your guys' your guys' opinions on this. Um, what do you think? Are humans better at creation or destruction? I'd like to see your initial opinions. Can I get uh, Akibs? I think I would say better than cr- better at creation because um for most things not everything but for most things that we destroy we create if that makes sense although obviously you can look at the environment and stuff like that but if you look if you look at earth and everything that's on it and then look at um everything that's sort of been added from human human creation there's a lot more and everything that we basically depend upon so i'll say creation and what about you, Jamal? Initial impressions, human better at creation or destruction? Definitely creation, because we wouldn't be programmed. That seems a bit inappropriate to use since we're not robots, but we're not built to destroy things because that's just wreaking havoc, destroying valuable resources. Instead, we are meant to be utilizing everything and creating new stuff that we could be able to take, we should be able to take advantage of. Uh, I find it interesting because the thing is that um, even though you got by, you guys are typically right about the fact that we do create things, I feel as if we destroy things more because uh, there's a lot of reasons why. But initially, when you when you take a vague look at it, you see that 
even though we are destroying things and we're making things that everything has the opposite happening at the same time so you might be destroying trees in order to make paper so the both of the things happen essentially in the in the life lifespan of that one items on that one item so what tends to happen is both things tend to happen um, but I feel as if it leans more towards the destruction side. So we are going to have some few, some few, some f- fire, fiery battles. If that makes sense. No, I'm, I'm going to leave that there. It's sort of like, to create one thing, you need to destroy something else. So it's sort of just, it's sort of like a cycle where in order to get to a certain point, you have to get rid of something else to use it, in essence. The, yeah, that makes sense. But don't you think that when you, when... When you're making something, one specific thing, there's so many sacrifices that happen around it. That So I can give you an example. When you want to create a house in the middle of a forest, you have to cut down a lot of trees around the house in order to make that forest, in order to make that house. And, and, and then you need the resources to make the actual walls of the house and the roof, etc. And you're destroying more things in order to make that one thing. Are the sacrifices on greater... Or less than the the actual building of the house. I th- I think it depends on what aspect you look at. It. Say if you look at it from in terms of nature and habitat of animals. In that example you've given, uh, the s- consequence is greater for those animals in the habitat, but the outcome is more positive for people obviously building the house. So it depends on which way you want to sort of look at it. Um, a lot of the time the inventions or creations by humans are beneficial to humans and and that, that's of a positive that's, that's obviously positive but it, at the same time it can deteriorate other things as well so you have to sort of d- decide whether it's more important to progress in what humans have or to sort of limit and limit everything else or to keep everything else well as well but even in the example that I gave, the fact that we're destroying the trees and all those things in the forest, we're still causing harm to ourselves because we're destroying trees, which is something we need. Even though we're creating a house, something we also need, we need shelter, we're also depleting ourselves of oxygen, wouldn't you say? But it's in that particular example, there's so many trees. We, 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 we're okay with trees for <laughs> a bit. <true. laughs> but I think, it, I think it depends on how severe it is because I don't think it's su- such a clear-cut topic where you can say mm-hmm. we're good at destroying or we're good at creating it is things dependent on situation and what exactly we're doing so you're trying to say the different shades of it yeah. essentially and can we get the opinion of the geographer well <laughs> in the context of what you're saying if we're in a forest and we're building a house the trees that you're cutting down can actually be used to make something for example the floor to your house or the actual infrastructure so i in one sense, it could be destruction, but in another sense, it could be used to create something too. So I guess you could, if you put it on scales, what would you say that example that I just gave? Do you think it'd be more toward the destructive side or the creative creative side? Creative side. Creative. I say destructive. We're having so much argument, and we've only had thirteen minutes of our show so far. Let's move on to a different example. I would say the most typical example that you see. Have you seen those old-fashioned libraries where you have shelves upon shelves, and you need a ladder that oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. which has rails, and you have to go all the way around. That's creation in, to its finest details, where you have books organized by name, and there's so many of them. You think you think that the creation of that is perfect, and let's assume uh, you accidentally bump into one of the shells. It's much easier for them to fall over than it is for them to remain where they are. So what do you say in that example? We have the more of an ability to destroy than we do to create. Yes, uh, so, so, well, yes, because. They when they're organized, we've obviously when you're organizing them, it's in essence creation because you've created that um, infrastructure of the books of how they're organized, and it's very easy to destroy. But it's 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 not. It's this sort of a hard one, that one. It is, isn't it? And Jamal, what do you think? Do you think it's easier to destroy or create in that sense? I'd say it's easier to destroy. So technically, I win then, don't I? <laughs> but then, say if all the books say f- fall off the shelf, whatever, you've destroyed that. 
uh, way of system of organizing it. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't it be just as easy to sort of re-put them back? It w- no, it wouldn't be easy to put them back because if you think about it from a probability aspect, because I like maths, uh, you have, let's suppose you have 100 books, right? And you have them alphabetical. What you have done is you put them in this pl- in a system where uh, you've they have to be specific to their own position. And if I was to do the math of that, um, I'm going to quickly see if I can do the math of that. But what my point is that they have such a specific position that the chance of getting them to where they were is really, really uh, unlikely, if that makes sense. So what, what I would say is... Even though we have this system in place, it's very, very specific. So it'd be extremely hard. Uh, I don't know if I'm right in saying this, but uh, it would be the 100 factorial, meaning 100 times 99 times 98, all the way up to times 1. So, and over here, I'm getting 9.3 E plus 157. So it's a really big number. I don't know what E is, but... E is to the power of 10. And something like that. But it's really big. And it's highly unlikely to have the chances of it be, of all the books being back in order than it is to have them in the wrong order, if that makes sense. Yeah. So don't you think it's easier to destroy when you have such a specific system? Mm, I think it depends on the quantity of books. If you have 10 books that you've knocked over, I don't think it'll be... You can easily repl- re- replace that. And I think it, the way of creating and destroying is an equal balance. But say in the example you've given there, with say you had 100 books on the bookshelf, then it is much more easier to destroy that way of organising them compared to um, actually organising them in themselves. Okay, you gave us a really uh, easy example. 10 books, right? They are a total of 3.6 million possible combinations to order the books. Like which one goes first, which one goes here. But then if you're organising, say, by... Alph- uh, uh, alphabetical yep. surely be much more easier then because you, you could easily pick up okay this one begins with A this one begins with B and that's only 10 books when you have a library full of possibly millions of books yeah obviously of course when it's a, <laughs> a large quantity then it's much more difficult but I say in a smaller qu- quantity I think it's just as easy to organise it as it is to destroy it and when you when you have a library if you take the example of a library they all started somewhere they probably started with Possibly a hundred books, which they collated, and then after a while it expanded. They said they decided we want more books, more books, more books. So in that sense, you could argue that creation is there is more creation involved in that aspect because they're getting the books and they're slowly and slowly expanding in order to make the bookshelves bigger and more packed. But there is always that chance of ruining it, and the chances are really likely because. How, Let's take. Let's move on to another example because books. I, Jamal looks so bored of books. Um, if we move on to example of a supermarket, when you have all those shelves up, and have you? I mean, if you've seen the movies, you know what it's like when someone knocks something off, like a display where they have a hundred um, cans of beans or something like that on display. It's so easy to knock that all down, and then you have to put them all back up again. You tell me which one's quicker. Or is it easier to knock them all down in, in the pyramid shape that they are, or is it easier to put them back up? It's easier to knock them all down. My point being that it's easier to knock things down than it is to keep them back up. But okay, for th- those, those sort of stuff, yes. But say if you looked at infrastructure buildings, for example, and we look at uh, really old uh, ancient buildings that we have, Mm-hmm. Say in places like Greece and in the Middle East and so on and so forth. But you mean stuff like Stonehenge and yeah. Power Pizza? Uh, those are very, the, the structures of those are very rigid, and it's very hard to get rid uh, get rid of them. In like for Stonehenge example, you can't really destroy Stonehenge. So I think in that way, it's it has, just as it was really hard to create, it's also really hard to destroy. So it's in sort of equal balance in that certain situation. Mm-hmm. Jamal, what's your take on this? <laughs> Jamal zoned <laughs> out. He does not care. Um, so, Jamal, the question we were, the thing we were addressing was natural habitat, stuff like Stonehenge. Uh, not habitats, natural, what are they called? Natural, there's a word for Structures. It. Natural structures? Uh, stuff like Stonehenge pyramids. Natural wonders. Those, that's it. Yeah. And stuff like Stonehenge, uh, the pyramids, 
uh, do you think it's easy to keep them up or is it easy to knock them down in that sort of situation if you look at it that way it's near enough impossible to knock them down without like heavy machinery but in the same sense it's very hard to make them too right so they're so, so it's like a balance between it's a balance it's a, between yeah. The two, yeah so do you so would you say that it's fair to say that I mean, the conclusion is generally that is we create and we destroy, and we do them in balance based on the situation. It's impossible to create without destroying something. That's true, yeah. and because of the conservation of mass and matter, etc. Uh, because this is what the science laws that we're bound by in the universe, that you have to get rid of something in order to make something else. Like, if you want metal... Uh, you have to get the components of metal. So if you don't want like a ring, you're going to have to go underground to get the metal underground, basically. Yeah, if you want plastic, you need to get rid of sand, etc. And all those sort of things. So there's the balance of getting rid rid of something and creating something else. But do you think that they have a weight of getting rid of something? So let's suppose you want to get rid of possibly... Uh, this much sand in order to make this much plastic always the product is generally less than the reactant if that makes sense so you might take 100 grams of sand and you end up with 50 grams of plastic do you think we've destroyed more or do you think we've created more Uh, well that example there i'd say we created more because plastic is in much more use than sand Mm -hmm. although obviously sand is important in terms of uh, the nature aspect right how how often do any of us use sand in our day-to-day life? Barely ever. Plastic, I'm sure at, at least every one of us has used plastic about 50 times today because it's just such a nat- natural thing. So in that aspect, we've, we've created because that plastic is in demand. Yeah, I believe we're in the era known as the plastic era because of how much we use plastic. So if you look around, we can just see plastic everywhere, literally everywhere, wherever you look. And... It's just so important to us, and is that? And I want to pose a question to Jamal because Jamal's not really interested. I'm just trying to put him on edge here. Uh, with creation, do you think destruction is needed in order to progress? Yeah, I would agree with that. And why is that? So it's a very broad question, but why? Because to create things, you need resources, and it's not as if resources just fall out the sky need to make them yourself and that involves getting things from the land so for ex- for the plastic example you need sand and getting that sand involves destroying it but then it, but then it's for the greater good because you make a product it's true i've got sort of another way of answering that um to progress you need to sort of always get rid of old things in essence like if you understand like um say if society has lots of old teachings mm-hmm. and old practices which aren't very good and in order to progress they need to get rid of that so when they're getting rid of that they're sort of destroying the old way of living right so in order to progress i guess you do have to it sometimes destroy so if you think about it from a non-physical aspect i don't know what the word for that is if you think abstract. about it from an abstract aspect when you have stuff like uh, systems in society i would argue that they're much easier to break a much more easy to destroy than it is to make a system because of the way that everyone has their own individual mindset. I would argue it's harder to destroy because it depends. I think if you've had a system in place for, say, 100 years, it's going to be much harder to destroy that because people have grown up only knowing that system of living. So when you try and take that away, there's going to be a bit like, well, how how else are you going to do things? Yeah, I suppose there's always that issue of specific scenarios you can't yeah. this isn't something you can Report sort of generalize board, yeah. with and um, but uh, in this the thing with systems that you everyone has that will to be free and then when you have a system in place that uh, kind of limits what you can do then people are bound to kind of disagree with the system to some extent based because they prioritize their own beliefs uh and with and so they would be more urged to destroy the system wouldn't they I'm trying to make a point here, but kind of got lost halfway through talking. So, um, 
Are we talking about sort of systems? Yep. So I, I personally think that when you, I think it's easier to create a system because everyone can, everyone has different ways of thinking and put in different ideas, and that way it's easier to come up with a broad way. But when you've got everyone thinking the same way, thinking this is the which system that we, which we do things, it's be harder to take that away from everyone. I would say it's hard to create a system because of the fact that um, you have to kind of convince everyone that this is the way forward and this is what we have to do. Everyone has their own beliefs. They want to do this. They want to do that. But then you don't let them. So you because you're putting them under the system. So I think it's hard to enforce a system and start one up. But I think it's also hard to destroy one because everyone's so used to it. They don't know anything else. So I think that... Uh, when it's there, it's there. When it's make, when you need to make it, it's hard to make it. And to get rid of it, it's hard to get rid of it. So I guess we can call that the conclusion. Of I guess, yeah. It wasn't much of a. <laughs> I'm not ha- really happy with that conclusion, but that's what we got. So uh, join us after the break, where we will be talking about is war inevitable or avoidable. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. This is Atif Nawaz, and you're listening to an Inspire FM podcast. Assalamu alaikum, welcome back to Inspire FM, um, this is Community Connect. Um, just before the break, we were talking about are humans better at creation or destroy, destroying stuff? Um, we sort of came to a weird conclusion where we sort of agree that it depends on the situation. Uh, and yeah, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't really a sort of finalised conclusion. Yeah, I wasn't really happy with that because it just kind of went up to... And the point where it was like, it's, we came down to the conclusion that it's hard to destroy things, hard to create things, but when they're there, they're just there. Yeah, it was, it was a, the, the, probably the best conclusion. But this um, section of the show, we'll be talking about is war avoidable or inevitable? But before we do that, Akib, I'm going to challenge you, and you probably already know what the challenge is, to have you memorized the numbers yet for the show? Yes, I have. Have right. you? Um, if you want to call call, uh, call us, it's 01582481822. Or if you want to WhatsApp or text us, it's 01779481822. I can't believe you just lied live on the radio. <laughs> he has not memorized the numbers. He just looked at the banners on the wall. As always, he hasn't memorized it. I'm telling them why haven't you memorized it? I haven't memorized it because none of you guys message us or ever call us. If you guys message or call us, I probably have incentive, incentive, incentive. I can't even speak um, to memorize it. So if you want me to memorize it, then get calling. And we're also on Facebook Live, so we have a target of 18 divided by two likes, and right now we have one, I think. Or two. I think we have two. One of them is us. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we're fifty percent of our likes. Come on, guys, we need to step it up a little bit. So, um, let's get straight into it. So, um, what are your guys' thoughts? Do you think? Are your first initial thoughts? Do you think war can be avoided, or is it just something that is part of human nature? Jamal, I think war can be avoided, definitely. But I also understand that sometimes it's just a natural thing that war occurs because as humans we should get on with each other peacefully but there's always a dispute between two pe- between two different parties over resources or anything which is quite damaging if you think about it because not only does it affect an entire country but it can also affect different people all over the world and Abdul. I think for someone like me who has such a closed mind on issues such as war and politics, I, I would say in a really biased manner that it is inevitable because I don't fully understand the tensions of, that go on between countries and that go on between groups of people. So I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm not, I don't have a huge exposure on them. So I would say that it is in uh, inevitable, sorry, avoidable. But we'll see. Akib, you have to convince me. So you <laughs> think, Abdul, you think that war can be avoided? Yep. And Jamal thinks it can be avoided, but in some cases it can happen. So he's on the fence. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think war, unfortunately, is inevitable amongst amongst us because I sort of, the way to uh, I would look, look at the world is like a school. And say every country is like a pupil. 
No, it's, it sounds weird, but mm-hmm. everyone's going to get along in a school, realistically, are they? Yep. You're going to get people who disagree with each other, and obviously in schools there's always going to be, say, like a fight or something. And that's I think that's like sort of the world where you're going to have different countries that say don't get along for whatever reasons, the reasons can vary. And that inevitably ends up leading to war because each country and even each different groups of people are different. And unfortunately, a lot of the time, rather than actually recognising the differences and respecting them, we sort of disagree with them. That makes sense. I like the way you you put it into that analogy. It makes it much more clearer to see, I guess. But in the end, I would still think that even though they are individual peoples, I feel as if they don't really have to communicate in order to get along. Because if you think about it, in a school, you could still like pass, get good grades and stuff without having to talk to any other student. We do that for our own means, I guess. And even though it does help in some cases, there are cases where it doesn't help. So I, so I guess you could argue that communication is a really important to uh, whether or not a war happens or not, I guess. I, I guess communication is important, but say if you're a very powerful country and you want something off, or it's even a very powerful force and you want something off a weaker force, and that weak force says, do you want we're going to talk about it? The powerful, much more powerful force can just say, why, why are we going to bother talking about it? Because we can just go to war and we'll end up defeating you. We'll take everything that we want rather than having an agreement where we say, take I take 60%, you take 40%. So it's, I think it's dependent on how countries or groups of people um, act in terms of their mercifulness, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? or towards weaker countries. Because you, throughout history, especially at the, ni- uh, the 20th century, sorry, there was always a stronger country picking on a sort of a weaker country, and the weaker country could never really do anything against it. What do you think, Jamal, from a geographic perspective? Because you seem to have a passion in geography. From what? <laughs> because that's all he talks about in in the show. So, come on, tell us what do you think? If countries have alliances, I guess you could say. Well, if you look back in history, England and France, correct me if I'm wrong, had an had an alliance. I believe so. And I think they were victorious at the end. In they? World War One and World War Two. Yeah, they were part of the Allied forces during the World Wars. But. Even if they were victorious, you have to look at the impact it caused. Look at how much deaths but there were and stuff. Sorry to interrupt you, but if it's safe, you're talking about uh, talking about the world wars here, and say we looked at World War Two particular in particular, couldn't you argue that well, everything, although there was much, uh, so much destruction and death in terms of the soldiers and the life and the destruction of towns and cities, surely that was better in getting rid of a uh, a bad leader in Germany then sort of letting it go and not allow and just allowing the death toll in, in that particular country to keep increasing so sometimes I would argue that war is possibly is, is the best thing in the situation although it is terrible and people do obviously die it it is sort of the um, less of two evils I think that's the phrase yep or is it uh, yeah, I, I don't know the phrase but yeah and it's sort of the best unfortunately it's the best outcome in that situation i don't know i feel like that's a really weird perspective you have because i feel as if war is never acceptable regardless of the scenarios because what i the way i see it is the violence doesn't there's a quote for this violence never shows who's right only who's left and there's a pun on that because uh when you look at it when violence just kills all the people it doesn't show who's generally in the right or who's in the wrong it just shows who's more powerful and all the people who are left they're the ones who are the more powerful ones i guess it doesn't really show who's right in the certain situation or not you could have strong forces stealing from poor forces and and since they're victorious in the war it doesn't mean that they're necessarily in the right it just means that they're more powerful i i agree with that um, example you've given there, but um, say in this circumstance, we're gonna, absolutely, we're gonna place you the head of a country. Okay, say you're the head of a country, and can I fight Jamal? Okay, and Jamal is the head of another country. 
Now, say Al-Saban really likes a bit of land from Jamal's country. So he's going to say, do you know what, I'm going to go there and take some of the land. Jamal, are you going to go fight back? And and, and Al-Saban's, Abs- you're, you're pretty much military-wise the same. Are you going to fight back? And they, they said that they're not going to be willing to talk. They, sw- they just want the land. Are you going to fight back? Personally, I wouldn't want to, but... Okay. I could understand why you would want I, to fight I back. would. It's <laughs> <laughs> self-defense, generally, yeah, isn't it? And I think, I think self-defense is applicable. A lot of the times in wars, I think, for me, a war needs to be on two sides. Mm-hmm. I, otherwise, I sort of view it as sort of more persecution rather than war. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think when, I think a lot of the time, wars are fought in self-defense because one country will say, oh, we declare war or whatever on another country. I wouldn't personally view that as a war. I view it only until the other side sort of retaliates and tries defending itself. Does it become a war in sort of my definition of war? Yeah, I agree with you there. But if you take a look at alliances, what tends to happen is one country may, um, one country may have a really strong friends, even though they might may be weak themselves. What this leads to is that you have um, one country that's not so strong, but it has backup, so it can defend itself using those countries who support it during its times of need. And what this leads to is, seg- is segregation. Like you could have me and Akib conquering Jamal's land, Jamal's land. and uh, or it could be the other way around. It could be uh, Jamal trying to attack me, but then Akib's here to help me out. And what that leads to is you have kind of bullying or reverse bullying, and it kind of reverses the odds uh, and it leads to segregation because it shows that there's clear sides going on. You could it, it increases the distance between the two countries because they don't they're not willing to talk it out. And uh, although that is a very bad thing, I would still say that that's just inevitable. And if you look at throughout human history, although it is bad to say, wars have always been fought amongst different groups, and there's always Leaders who are greedy want more money, want more land, want more resources, and al- although it is bad to say, it's just part of human nature. I guess um, we, as much as we d- may not like to admit it, uh, humans are very greedy, if that makes sense. And we always want more, and we see that in our own lives, uh, where people sort of chase money and so on and so forth. So just imagine you're a world leader, and you can. You're not just chasing money, you're chasing billions, you're chasing oil and so on and so forth. You're going to be very willing to do anything that you possibly can to increase your country's wealth, increase your own wealth. So that's why I think wars are just always going to happen. Um, I don't know, because if you take a look at the example of us uh, of, of us being in that situation where we want more land, even if we're not willing to talk it out, what, I don't feel as if it's right to declare war, like even out of self-defence. I feel as if it's more better to neutralize the attack that's going on and then forcing them to talk it out because that's probably the most effective way of dealing with it in my mind because even I'm looking at it from a perspective where everything's going perfectly. It might be that you neutralize them by getting rid of their weapons, etc. But what you do is you stop them from attacking. So you're attacking their weapons and not the people, if that makes sense. Because first of all, that gets rid of casualties. And that g- generally just has the impact of forcing the, them to be pacifists. Well, okay. You, I like you. I just said that word because that's got me a little question. Now, I want to not want to ask you guys: Are you guys pacifists, or do you agree with pacifism? Jamal, are you a pacifist? That's. that's um, do Do you believe? Do you believe that no wars should ever be fought? Do you believe? That should only just talk it out, and that war is just. First of all, I knew what pacifists mean. Uh, you looked very confused. <laughs> you did. <so> I was <laughs> like, <laughs> and um, secondly, I, I would say I am. I think wars can be talked out. Because as humans, we're meant to communicate with each other, so. Even though wars are, can be talked out, do you think? And that every scenario is possibly possible to be talked out because there are there have been cases when, if, no matter how many times they've tried talking it out, one side may just be too aggressive to talk. So it's like talking to animals. You can't talk to a lion. What about in those sort of circumstances? Do you think pacifism works? Um, I would say not in all situations. I agree. 
with what you're saying there. And I guess example could be World War Two. Um, the build up to World War Two, um, where sort of um, British Prime Minister opposed an idea of appeasement, which to towards Hitler, sort of the idea that listen, we're willing to give you what you want, just don't go too far. And that was them sort of Britain Germany having talks, but all that did eventually was just end up leading to war because obviously Hitler just kept wanting more and more and more, and he's just never. He's, there's not. I don't. I don't believe that. Although talking is good and it does obviously lead to the stoppage of wars and can stop lives being taken away. Sometimes some countries and some world leaders are so determined to get what they want that regardless of what's being said in peace talks and so on and so forth, they, they're just going to go forth with the idea of war, especially if they are a powerful country. Yeah, so I suppose that raises the issue of a war being un- unavoidable because of who's in charge. And it's, it depends. There's a lot of things that lead to war, right? We have all sorts of aspects like what sort of leadership is it, uh, how powerful are they, etc. And... Which one do, would you classify as the most important aspect leading to war? This is a question for both of you. And what do you think is the most important aspect that leads to a war being unavoidable? unavoidable? For me, it would be the power. Because what power does, it, I would believe that power corrupts people's minds. And, and the quote that we learned in English was, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So I do believe that is power having the mil- military force. What about you two? What do you think? I think it's money, um, economy, stuff like that. Um, if you look at all the wars fought, in the, a lot of the major wars fought in the 21st century, there's an argument that money and economy and bank, banks, especially in today's, today's world, it has something to do with all of that. And it's got a lot to do with how uh, oil prices, so on and so forth, um, resources so i think it's less to do with say oh um i don't like this particular leader or uh mean this leader don't see eye to eye something i think it's much more malicious in the way that it's based upon monetary gain and how a country can benefit if they take a country's other country's resources right and jamal what do you think leads to a war being inevitable um i would also agree with akib swin with the different economies and resources like oil and food. Okay, so you'd argue resources leads to... Do you think with resources it's because people become too desperate because of lack of them? Or do you think it's more to do with just greed? Which one do you think has more of a driving force? Because what tends to happen is people can be greedy so they attack or they might just have a lack of food which is why they attack. Which one do you think is more devastating or more of a reason? First of all, if they had a lack of food, I'd say instead of wasting money on going on war, they could have used that money on buying resources. But I would say the driving force for that would be... um, Oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I get your train of thought, but you're clearly out of words today. And I just I just dropped the mic somehow. Uh, it's alright. I'll fix that in a second. Um, I was gonna ask you the question: with uh, wars and stuff, do you think the most important? Do you think the most important thing with wars is the consequence, like what comes out of it, like casualties, etc.? Yes and no. I think sometimes it is. The, obviously, casualties always plays a big part in wars, and that's just something you can't. That's just inevitable. That's something that's is that's is what it is what it is really, in terms of that. But I think one of the big consequences when it comes to war is how then the losing country says is treated, because if they if it's not if the if the final treaty in as such isn't just towards both parties, then it's just going to lead to another war, say ten or twenty years down in time, where the losing country wants revenge, and that's happened throughout history. And I, 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 although the sort of loss of life is very important, is I think it's also important to prevent a further loss of life in possible future wars. Um, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here, meaning I look at the opposite side. 
And if I were to say that war was inevitable, I would use the argument of the number of weapons that are readily available for use. So you have countries that make weapons that, and you have all these weapons being made and they're said to be used for self-defense. But then if they're for self-defense, that clearly means someone is bound to attack them. So I, I believe that the perfect world would be to have no weapons at all because all weapons do is, is kill and destroy people's lives and homes and families and shelters etc so i feel like that would be the perfect world the ideal world with no weapons at all but obviously that's not that clearly can't happen because of the way that uh, the way that we have all at least one anomaly that is bound to occur we obviously we need a self defense but do you think it uh, do, you, do you how often do you feel people use weapons like they make weapons simply with the excuse of self-defense when actual fact they're actually going out of their way to invade other countries and arm themselves to become more powerful i think in the aspect of weapons it's a lot more to do with uh selling weapons on and there's a lot of money in that um countries like uh the usa russia for example they produce a lot of and they manufacture a lot of arms uh, and uh weaponry and there's a lot of money when they sell that to other countries and unfortunately the way uh, war is now is so linked to m- money as well so during a war it's not just the two warring countries that are involved it's also all the countries that are supplying those countries with all their arms and those countries that are supplying the arms are benefiting from the war because they're getting money uh, from uh, from it so it's it's very, it's very sort of sinister. Um, it's very sort of sinister thing the arms trade, because uh, although it sounds uh, really bad to say, wars do obviously lose lots of lives. But in some people, for some people, they it benefits them because that loss of life means that they're selling more weapons, and that just makes their pocket grow. Uh, pocket grows. So, it, although in a, as you said, a ideal situation. Uh, all weapons will sort of be gone, but I don't think that'll ever happen. So that's why I sort of say war is inevitable because what's the chances of everyone giving up the weapons? And I think a good example of that is the nuclear program. So I just want to ask you guys: Do you believe, say for example, the, I remember a couple of years ago um, there was talk about disarming um, Britain's nuclear weapons so jamal what do you think when someone says oh say if i say to you we should disarm all of our nuclear weapons here in britain what would your sort of response be to that i would think that's very unethical it's also uh, it's a waste of money so uh, so what keeping the nuclear weapons both keeping them and releasing them and it would affect so much life lives elsewhere so you think that we shouldn't produce them at all? Nope, we shouldn't. There's no. So need. we should disarm our nuclear weapons. Yeah, I did. To be honest, I didn't know we had nuclear weapons in Britain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so out of politics because it's not really something. It, they make it sounds so complicated when you look at it up front, and there's so many aspects to it that I can't really create a, make a valid judgment because. Uh, first of all, I don't have the knowledge, and second of all, I don't want to know because of how complicated it gets, it hurts my head. Um, we're getting down to a last few minutes of our show for this week. Uh, I want to get your final opinions around what do you guys think of uh, the topic at hand. Is war inevitable or avoidable? Jamal? War is avoidable. And why is that? Because you can just talk it out like ordinary humans. Ordinary humans. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Akib, what do you think? War is completely inevitable. And Jamal said ordinary humans. Throughout history, humans have always fought wars. And it's just, it's sad to say, but it's part of human nature. Um, and talking it out that doesn't always necessarily lead to a resolution. Because uh, say if you believe something so strong and another person believes something so strong, you may not come to an agreement. And we can see that in our own parliament, for example. So... The, um, that often leads to no other choice but war. So I don't think war is avoidable. I I, I would I don't know. I, I feel like there is no standard for ordinary humans because 
we always have that those passions and desires controlling us to some extent, uh, some more than others. So, um, I would argue. Um, I feel like Akib's convinced me here, and um, I hate to admit it, but he has. I feel as if war is inevitable because of the way things are, and not the way they should be. Because even though we would like it to be not like this, we would like it to be more along the sides of uh, everyone's disarms. But that's not the case, and reality of the situation is we have all these weapons out there, just ready to be used whenever. And when we ha- and all it takes is a few wrong decisions and miscommunications to occur, and people to lose their patience and etc. All these small little things to occur, and before you know it, war can break out. But oh, inshallah, we'll make dua that it never happens because. War is generally not a good thing. We know that we shouldn't. We know that war destroys lives. We know that we, sh- we, nobody really wants their lives to be lost to a war. And let's make dua that it never happens, inshallah. And I didn't want to say that war should sort of be the worst case scenario in a sort of conflict. Um, I definitely do agree that sort of talk should be had before, and different um, precautions should take place beforehand. Um, to stop, say, a potential conflict and uh, war should be the very, very last thing to happen. Mm-hmm. As we bring our show to an end, we'd like to say Jazakallah for, uh, to all our listening, for all our listeners for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show and we apologise if we have offended anyone in any way. If you have anyth- anything else you want us to talk about, please be sure to let us know on inspire at fm.org. Um, as always, be sure to tune in to the show every Wednesdays from 6 to 7 with repeats every Saturday at 8pm and podcasts available to download in your own time. Assalamu alaikum. Community Connect. Connecting the community. So uh, join us next week where we will inshallah have good topics available for you. And hopefully inshallah next week Ibrahim comes as well and Hanif. So assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We stream our daily broadcast on inspirefm.org. You'll find all our daily updates on our social media at inspirefmluton.